0: Uh, I'll try to move a little bit quicker tonight through what we got because it's uh, a lot of stuff I want to cover. And uh, But last time we talked about uh, that ba- uh, belief and baptism equals salvation. Uh, but there, we know a lot of folks that teach baptism equals sal- uh, belief and then salvation is just kind of this thing tacked along next to it. Uh, we talked about how it's not infant baptism. We don't have any biblical examples of children being baptized. Um, we talked briefly about some of the verses they would use and how um, – that, that really exists because of the doctrine of original sin, and if you believe in that doctrine, then it kind of makes sense, um, but that is another thing entirely. Um, tonight – because I, I really was surprised that y'all had not heard when I talked about um, immersion last time. So we'll open talking about immersion, how baptism is immersion. Um, yeah, have full immersion baptism. We'll talk about uh, baptism for the remission of sins. Why, why do we say uh, for the forgiveness or for the remission of sins and the importance of that? Um, and then if we have time, I also want to cover uh, water baptism versus what does it mean when the Scripture says they were baptized or they were immersed by the Holy Spirit? Is that the same thing? Uh, spoiler alert, it's not. Um, we'll talk about why it's not. And, you know, what is this? Because this is actually a big deal. Um, When you start talking about spiritual gifts and the impartation of spiritual gifts, uh, baptism or immersion of the Holy Spirit is a a big deal that we kind of – we kind of overlook. But there's a reason we don't talk about it as much, but we'll we'll get to that at the end. So um, last week I kind of dropped this at the end because I totally thought y'all would have heard this before. Um, The word baptism comes from a Greek word that means uh, immerse or to dip. And I brought a glass of water, and I'm going to, because this is how I had this taught to me, it's the easiest way to understand it. So the, Greek, the Greeks had three different words for things you could do with water. Um, one of them is to pour it, right? If I took this out and poured it, or if I took a drink of it, that would be kind of pouring it in my mouth a little bit. That would be ekeo, ekeo, and that's pouring. Uh, if I you know, dipped my fingers in it and did this, or what we would call sprinkling, they had a word for that, and that was rontizo. Well, if I had a, a piece of bread, and I just dunked it in there like an Oreo in the milk all the way, and then ate it, that dip would be baptizo. Um, and, I, and I mentioned this last time, but I actually found the example. I'll turn to John 13 real quick. And I think if we read it in a context that is not... What we traditionally view as baptism, uh, this might make a little bit more sense. Turn me to John 13. Because in John 13, uh, they're actually not talking about baptism at all. They're having the Last Supper. And in John 13, uh, somewhere in verse 8 through 10. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 18, that's what it was. Okay. Hold on. You know what? I said I found it. Okay, sorry. John 13, verse 26. John 13, verse 26. Um, Because Jesus is saying, uh, Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. They're talking about who one of them is going to betray him. Jesus has said, one of you will betray me. They're debating who it's going to be. He says, it is to he who I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Iscariot. When the original Greek, that word right there for dipped is baptizo. When he had baptized, bab, it's like baptason or something, uh, the morsel, he gave it to John. So it it doesn't necessarily just mean in a spiritual or like church uh, concept, um, but to baptize meant to immerse. And the first, so the Bible was written in Greek. From Greek, it was translated to Latin. And from Latin, it was translated to English. And when it was being translated into English, uh, it was translated under the direction of King James, hence the name King James uh, was a part of the Anglican Church. the Anglican Church was a split from the Catholic Church. They practiced a lot of the similar things. Um, the Anglican Church still exists today in a different form. but one of the big things they had begun to practice at this time was sprinkling and uh, sprinkling and in some cases anointing because in the like third century church, for whatever reason, there arose kind of the difficulty of baptizing uh, elderly or sometimes infirm people who couldn't move, who couldn't be easily moved. And so very early on, they were like, this is really hard, what do we do? And so they wrote to you know a certain bishop or a certain early church father, and they said, well, what do you think we should do for these people who we have a hard time getting to think? And he said, you know what? Just pour some water on them. Uh, and I think they even said pour three times in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or sprinkle them, sprinkle them three times in the name of the Father, and the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. And that's good enough. And so it started as this practice for people who, uh, were crippled, who were older, who could not as easily get up and down. And then very quickly, uh, especially in certain areas where water was not easily accessible, that became the norm uh, rather than just the exception. And when we look at the corruption of church doctrine, we can kind of see that pattern in a lot of places where the stuff just doesn't come out of nowhere. There's some particular difficulty or another with uh, maybe the logistics of accomplishing some part of Scripture. And they said, well, we'll allow it in these cases. And very quickly, that thing that maybe a few generations ago we tolerated has now become widespread practice. So anyway, the church under King James, they almost exclusively are practicing sprinkling and anointing. And the translators come upon this word baptize. As I said here, in in John 13, 26, (laughs) it doesn't say when he had baptized the morsel, it says when he had dipped the morsel. Because baptized meant, the Greek word baptizo meant to dip. Well, when in the context of a spiritual or a holy context or anywhere else just about that it was used, they didn't know what to do with it because they knew they were not practicing immersion baptism. But the king was the one paying them to translate the Bible. So the King James Bible, they the translators on the spot invented the word English word, baptize. And we know English has a lot of words that sound the same in other languages. Um, But this one, they just, they pretty much made it up. You don't find baptize in English before the Advent of the King James Bible. It didn't exist. So, when someone would ask them, well, what's baptize mean? Well, it means what we're doing. If you make up a word, it can mean whatever you want it to mean, right? Um, Immersion is immersion. They knew what immersion was. So, unfortunately... Uh, Most, you know, your revised standard, your English standard, New American standard, a lot of them still carry that tradition of – because we we all know what baptizing and what baptism is now. But there is few and far between. If you ever look at – if you go to like a Bible store, some of them will have uh, literal translations. They're really hard to read in English. Like the the order of the words doesn't always make sense. Or if you look at a linear, like a line by line, um, you will see – that any other line-by-line or little translation will tell you baptism means to immerse. And you can still find that in a lot of Bibles today, but that tradition of uh, keeping baptizo as baptized instead of immersion has persisted. And uh, really, in, outside of the East Orthodox Church, our brotherhood... And pretty much the rest of the Restoration Movement churches, uh, immersion baptism has pretty much fallen out of practice in the Western world, um, as we are probably pretty aware. But anyway, that's the that's the story on how we got baptism and how it began to mean what it means. If you look at a lot of these false doctrines, if you are willing to take the time to learn about church history, you'll find that there's there's reasons for this stuff. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. Um, but yeah. You mentioned John 8
1: <laughs> and chapter 13, and then 7 says, Jesus replied, you cannot realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you should never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part in me, hmm. with me. Do you think that has anything to do with baptism? Implied that, you know, if you're not baptized, you have no part of Christ? Or is
0: that You know, that's interesting. I think it's more to do with serving, but I think it's interesting you bring that up that that's Peter because it's actually a verse from 1 Peter that I wanted to look at later where he says, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but the cleansing of the conscience with the Spirit. And I can't help but think that when he says that, he is thinking of this moment here.
1: I wonder that. I mean, to me it's just weird he
0: says
1: when, unless I wash you, you have no part with me.
2: My brain goes to baptism, but it may not be what he's talking about. But you know, it goes back. That's interesting, though. Going down to verse 11 there, he said, You are not all clean.
0: Now, that is definitely, that I think he's definitely, by then, he's definitely talking spiritually, not just physical. Um, But
2: he's also talking
1: about then, he's also alluding to uh, the one that betrays
0: him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting to that. Um, there's a lot of things about John. He didn't have a lot of accounts that the rest of them have, and a lot of the stuff he does have, nobody else has. Um, because they talk about how he's more than, more than the rest of them, the Gospels take more of a, uh, while the genre of biography didn't really exist, they're closer to a biographical, chronological, orderly part of events. Everything John talks about is super symbolic. It's very much for a purpose, it's very intentional. He's very much constructing a narrative. Um, so I don't think that's coincidental that he has it worded the way it is.
2: I think he's talking about a spiritual cleanness because yeah. he knew that i would if you know, would betray him. Judas. So spiritually they're not all clean.
0: Um, correct. Yeah, definitely. What I'd have to do, uh, Todd, is I'll look and see what wash is, what that is, because I don't know. I don't have a like an interlinear in front of me. But I'd be interested to know if what he's saying, uh, if there was like a physical association or if there was something a bit more big picture there, you yeah. know. I'm just curious. You know,
1: yeah. I started reading that and I need to bring <laughs> that. You know,
2: uh, what you was talking about a while ago about these people that are so lame and stuff that can't walk and can't do this, or they can't do nothing on their own. Mm-hmm. They want to be baptized. These provisions that you can make. Wouldn't be here in this baptistry. <laughs> right. But they'd be provisions that you could make some that you could get that person back. Oh, you could definitely do it. Because anybody can hold a breath for a second. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, you can... There, I'm sure for every person who's had a difficulty and hadn't, there's someone who has who's figured it out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, just, it's interesting to me when you look at it to see that very early on... Um, and I was going to say this later, but like if we... Archaeological evidence, when, when people look at the New Testament sort of critically or archaeologically, archaeological evidence heavily, heavily favors because some people have disputed that uh, – well, maybe baptizo didn't originally mean immersion. Maybe it just meant dip, and you could dip something but not fully immerse it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But uh, so they would argue that maybe it uh, – they didn't practice that, but archaeological evidence heavily, heavily favors And I'm not just saying that because that's what we believe. I wouldn't bring it up if it went against what we believe. I just wouldn't. Because archaeological evidence is not always always helpful. Sometimes you you don't find anything that helps you at all. Um, But they have baptism pits all throughout uh, the areas he ministered in, the churches they planted, the house churches they planted. Very, very common in the areas where the disciples, um, and I'm talking into the 100, 200, 300 A.D., uh, for them to dig baptismal pits, you know like we do um to baptize people in, and they were big enough that you could have someone be fully immersed in them. They were not jars of clay of water they weren 't uh you know little things of holy water. they had baptismal pits very early on, and most uh, a a very large majority of uh I guess you would call it like uh, early church historians. Across denominations, across uh, faiths, agree that the earliest church emerged and baptized. But they all also agree that it just doesn't mean that anymore. So, I mean, when you talk about following the example of the early church, almost all of them agree that, yeah, they used to do that. We just say, well, this is fine now. And it's, um, as I said, it, it emerged as a way to make it easier and about... Uh, I think what I saw was about 250. They started doing it for the, uh, the infirm, the elderly, the crippled. But it really quickly took off as just, well, shoot, if we can do it for the crippled people, we can do it for the healed people, right? <laughs> and, and back then, um, among what would become the Catholic Church, if a bishop or a uh, – basically a person of a certain standing within the church said something – that was still viewed as authoritative. You know, that's, that's really what most of Catholicism boils down to is for us, scriptural authority stops at a certain point. But to them, they continue that. They say certain individuals from this point on still had, uh, the, the apostles had authority, the people after the apostles had authority, and the people after them had authority. So that's why, that's why they believe that because the people who they view as spiritual authorities said you can do it and... So that's what I do. Um, so anyway, that's, that is immersion. Um, another one, and we, we did read this last week, was Acts eight thirty eight, 38, with uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. They went down into the water. They came up out of the water. Um, excuse me. Um, Paul, in Romans 6, and we can go ahead and turn, um, turn there, but Romans 6, 1 through 5 uh, Paul, and he actually does this frequently in a lot of his writings, he talks a lot about uh, we have been buried with him in baptism you know we 've been buried with him in christ we 've been resurrected we came up out um, and one of the more explicit areas is Romans six verses one through one through five i 'm just going to read that real quick. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized or immersed into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, okay, buried. (laughs) You're not buried in the water if you're anointed or poured or sprinkled. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, and this is, to me right here, the clearest evidence that, Baptism meant full immersion and not just like a partial dipping or a standing in the water. Um, In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so so we too might walk in newness of life. So if I say you were dipped, I guess I said Oreo earlier. That was probably a terrible illustration because I almost always like half dip the Oreo into the milk. But if you say someone came up out of the water... Well, what do you gotta do first? You gotta be in the water. You gotta be in the water. Fish can come up out of the water. Boats come off the water, I guess. So you don't <laughs> but um if you're in the water, you come out of the water. So anyway, Paul talked I, mean, I mean if you think about how you
3: know we're all baptized now. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking Church of Christ,
1: how we go down into the water and we come up. Mm-hmm. I mean Just as Christ was raised from the dead, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's symbolic of how we're baptized at the same time. Yeah, I mean, somebody puts us under the water; somebody mm-hmm. raises us out of the water. Right. I mean, to me, those things kind of go hand in hand.
0: Yes, that and that's that's why I chose this because Paul talks about this uh, burial symbolism or the resurrection motif a lot in his letters. But this one, I really felt like was the one that was the most explicit in the terms of we are buried and we rise again, you know. Um, because a, another imagery I've seen is that they were in the water and they would like splash the water up on them. And of course, we always have the, you know, if someone's hand is on the thing when they dip out. Like I'm not. We we know that you know if you go swimming or you do a cannonball, you're not baptized. Baptism is when you are baptized for the remission of sins. So I, people always ask that. I'm like, look, here's what I can tell you. I can tell you the scripture says this. You want to do this? I can tell you what's going to happen. You want to do something else? I can't tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> okay. You want to do something else? Okay. Like, you want to roll the dice? Fine. You know, I'm not, because I, I've gotten to the point in conversations with people are like, I'm, I'm not going to just straight up just tell them, no, if, if, you're, if a strand of your hair didn't go all the way down, you're going to hell. But I'm just going to say, if you do this, you're saved. I know that. I know it with absolute certainty. If you do what the Bible says, you're saved. You go outside of that, you're on your own. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you want to risk eternal life on a maybe? I don't get in my truck on a maybe. <laughs> if that thing's like a quarter tank of gas, I'm stopping. It might be fine. <laughs>
2: so. You'
0: baptized you destroy sin. yeah and that's that's the walking in the newness of life. you're um so that's and that's a good segue because the next point I wanted to do was get to for the forgiveness of sins um since I mentioned it let's go ahead and flip to first Peter um and if someone wants to read from us first Peter Todd if you want to read that since you asked about the washing I think this is really interesting first peter three twenty one
1: Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ.
0: So I just, I thought that was really interesting that you asked about verse 8, just because it, it just happened to not be James or 1 Corinthians or some other letter. It was actually a letter from Peter, who was having the conversation with Jesus about the washing of the feet, that says later, we don't baptize just to wash you. Like we don't, You don't just clean your hands because you're dirty. Right. We're all dirty we are doing this, uh, there's a spiritual element to what's going on. Um, There's, I don't remember exactly what the verbiage of the first half of years was. Mine says, baptism which now saves you. Um,
1: Mine says, uh, water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also.
0: Yeah. I'd be interested to know. Yeah, hmm. Um, we've looked at Acts 2.38 a lot. Um, the reason, and, and so we'll, we've, we've talked about this before and we'll get more into it just in a second, but uh, what do? where do other doctrines come from? What do other people preach? Oh. Hey. <laughs> um, for the forgiveness of sins. Now, there are people who teach. How you doing? Hey, <laughs> it's
2: my class here. Can I can't see.
0: You? Oh, good. I'm glad you could join us.
2: Mm. You
3: literally walk right in front
0: of <laughs> I'll be all right. Um. So A- Acts two thirty eight is where we get the four remission or for forgiveness of sins. Um, there are some people, and I say some, but I guess the truth is many. Um without getting down, completely chasing a linguistic rabbit hole here. Um, When he says, Peter's at Pentecost, he says baptized for the remission of sins. There are actually some people who make the argument that the word for, or the the Greek word being used there, is that you get baptized because your sins were forgiven. That the word for is backward looking. Um, And there's like two examples of this in English. Like you could say, uh, I went to the funeral for my grandfather had died. Right? You could say I went to the funeral because my grandfather had died, or you could say I went to the store for the pantry was bare. And in that case, I said I went to the store because the pantry was bare. Um, in that case, it's backwards looking. It's something that's already happened. Um. So long story short, the the Greek there bears that out that the. The word they use for for is backwards, like it, you are baptized so that your sins may be forgiven. And that's, that's what it boils down to, that you can tra- – uh, the English word for can kind of mean because or it can mean so that or it can mean – we use it a lot of different ways. But they'll basically try and flip it and say, because your sins were forgiven, you should get baptized. And that, that's the people who teach kind of the uh, faith alone doctrine – will say that, well, because your sins have already been forgiven, what Peter is saying in Acts 2.38 is that because of that, you should get baptized. Um, But very clearly, original language tells us that no, in order for your sins to be forgiven, be baptized. So that's just kind of one of those things a lot of other people will teach. Hmm, trying to decide how much I want to get into this. Um Yeah, I guess any other questions about immersion baptism or uh I I have a whole thing on faith alone that we'll get into later. Um and the issue with that that doctrine. But uh any other questions on immersion or infant or anything like that? We'll go on to uh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um
3: The biggest question i get from a lot of people about you know the immersion and all
1: that stuff Mm -hmm. is how big of it is the order of things because people say we are still baptized like we still go in the water right but it's just out of order from the way you do it so do you think that's is that a big issue because people say well we're still baptized just like y'all it's just a little bit different
0: so that's actually a really good question. Yeah, a little later. Um, so they're that, saying they're on the same level as us. It's correct. just different order, I guess. Yeah, so essentially, if I get baptized, uh, but I don't think it's for my salvation, I just do it because of my salvation, as some would say, right? Um, like if we put, like, repent repent, confess, be baptized on a timeline, we'd say salvation happens there, and they'd say it happens here, and you just do this anyway, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's tricky, and I, I go... One of the reasons I read First Peter and uh, we came back to Acts 2.38 is because it does talk... 1 Peter and Acts 2.38, when you look at them together, uh, make it clear that there's getting wet and then there's baptism. Um, and like I said, if I do a cannonball into the pool, my head goes all the way underwater and I come back out. Um, but I don't think that's a – I was not – So like let's because we've talked about it, if I get rid of the word baptism – and we just talk about immersion. I was immersed, but if I'm doing a cannonball in the pool, was I immersed for the remission of sins? Probably not. Not uh, you know, <laughs> the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, and then you could probably baptize yourself that way if you were alone, I guess. But
1: well, if, you're, if you're talking timeline, then you could infer that okay, if we're going timeline, then salvation happens there before baptism. Then you could in, so well, then, okay, you can have salvation without baptism,
0: which we know is not the case. Right. So, that, yeah, yeah, I would say this is what some people will say. This is what we would say. This is what some people will say. And that's, that's why they say that is that's exactly why. They say, they say it's a, um, and this is something I want to tackle next week, and I might push it back if we talk about something else, is faith and works. Um, and they'll say that well, baptism is a righteous work. That it's, it's not what saves you, but it's a good thing you should do, like uh, helping the poor or uh, visiting the people in prison. So that's, so you're right. They will say you don't need to do it to be saved, but it's a good thing you should do.
3: Well, a lot of people believe in baptism into the church. You're oh, saved, man. And then you're baptized into their church.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of people that.
3: I, I have worked with people that thought they were saved, but couldn't figure out why the church wouldn't baptize them because they weren't good enough for that church. I think where that gets confusing, too, is
1: we say that we're baptized into the Lord's church, and we view that differently than what they're saying they're baptized into the Baptist church. Right. uh, Yeah. They
3: hold the time you're saved this Sunday, and then they'll have a a mass baptism in three weeks, but they'll also... Review these people that were saved and say that we want them as members of our church. Yes, so, we don't have a choice of members in the church of Christ. I'm glad baptized yeah. into Christ.
0: I and so this might be something we talk about another <clears throat> time because I something else I have in our lesson is uh church discipline slash church governance. Um, I want to do a lesson on that because that's something that I think we'll look at what the scriptures say, and then we should also look at how will this work here. Um, but the other reason I want to talk about that is because I think one of, the, one of the things we get wrong, and I'm including Church of Christ in that that we get wrong sometimes, is that we don't control membership into the church. No. No. It's why I've always had an issue with membership roles, to be honest. Um, with someone, and unfortunately, I think the Church of Christ is just as guilty as confusing a lot of people on this front, uh, because we keep membership, and that's good. Keep membership. I get it. Take attendance. Keep track of who's where, so you can call people when they're not there, so you can check on folks who are sick. Um, but I, the last church I went to, um, or congregation, because that's another one we can, that's, uh, that's, th- that's the issue. We got baptism, membership, and the word church, all of which don't really mean the same thing it meant to those people. <laughs> so once you start doing that, now you're just talking about issues they didn't have because it was a different, but um. I've always had an issue with us saying these people like to identify as members of our congregation. Um, well,
3: well, I think it should be it, voluntary.
0: Yeah. Membership. Oh, ab- absolutely.
3: Consider myself as a member of the, the Roman Yeah, I,
0: I don't get to decide nobody, who can and can't worship me. Correct.
3: You can it.
0: Correct. And so that, that's why I want to talk about in church I'm governance. A of we don't do church, that.
3: But I'm also
1: a member of the Roman. Church. Well, and we, we got this concept of place membership. Yeah. Like yes. You to leave, yes. That's... I'd like to place my family. Please.
0: Yes. And I've, I've, for as long as I can remember learning, like exactly. for as soon as someone first told me the church isn't the building, the church is the body of Christians, I've been like, so why do we do that? I agree with you. I, I don't 100% agree. If, if I you want to worship to somewhere. Church,
1: if you're a Christian, you've been baptized for mission of your sin, why
3: do you have to place membership? Yeah. Membership. Well, I'll tell you, the history behind it. I'm not going to condone it or under but the deal with the place of membership was that at one time, if you got mad and you left Romine and you went to Rogersville, so Rogersville would come to Romine's leaders and say, what's the deal with this person? Right. Why are they leaving y'all to come to us? It was a, a way of keeping people, that you know, if if you left because of strife between you and somebody in the church, it was a way to mend that strife. And that's yes. where the place of membership comes. And I just listened to
1: something last week from Cedar Grove Church of Christ Elders talking about <laughs> shepherds of the flock. Mm-hmm. And what you just said is is the right thing for them to do. Right. Because they're having to shepherd the flock at Rogersville and somebody comes in there they need to go find out because they're trying to protect their
0: own Yeah, lawn. that's where you go to the wolf and sheep's clothing thing. So I can
3: kind of see where, yeah, that 20, 20, 25 years ago, maybe 30, I don't know. But anyway, if you wanted to leave Romine and go to Rogersville, you needed a letter from the leaders, the elders at Romine saying that you have their blessing going there. In other words, you're not going there because you've got problems. Here at Romine, and you're running from your problems. That's what they're done. Oh, That's okay. I get I that, don't do that, but I think... They don't do that
0: well, because do when, when you talk about that, you're venturing on proven innocence versus proven guilt. I think if someone comes to the church, it should be on the offended party or the church or whoever for me to go to the... Like you and I have talked about before, how there was rumors about a member here at other churches. It should be on the offended party to prove what happened. It's not on the individual to prove their innocence. That's kind of foolish I mean, to me, you know, to be honest.
3: But what I'm saying is... That's the way the church operated at the time. Yeah. They also went into your house if you weren't a member of the church and you was a member of the denomination. that was a time that we got a bad name because they'd go in and say, "Hey, if you don't become a member of the church, yes, in Christ, you're going to hell." Just yes. Want blame that's the way they done it. That's you don't do that now. Correct. It. It just it's not the right way to done it then, and it ain't the right way now.
0: Yeah, and I would, I would tend to agree just because it, when you, to kind of go full circle, when you brought up the idea that people feel like they need, um, how some people teach, they need to be baptized into that church. I think, again, I would say I think the Church of Christ is partially guilty of that perception because when we teach, we know we teach baptism and we know why we teach baptism, but the people we're teaching baptism to don't always understand why we're teaching baptism. They know we're teaching it. They don't understand, always understand why they're teaching it. So if we haven't taught them uh and this is a different question is what do you do if just someone just walks up to you and says i want to be baptized you say okay let's go or do you say let's talk about this for a second um if they don't understand what the what the meaning of the word church is if they don't understand how membership works they don't understand that i can't i can't make you a member of the church they don't understand that i can't uh add you or take away from the church body if they don't understand the forgiveness of sins uh if they don't understand that you could make the argument that I can't baptize them because they don't know what they're doing.
1: Yeah. Um, I've heard that said about younger kids. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like all, a touchy situation. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's really touchy with their parents.
3: You know? <laughs> well, yeah. you, you take the child, you're putting that, you're, you're actually, when you say, well, I don't think they're ready to be baptized. I mean, you're putting that child's soul in your hand. Right. Right. And, I, and the sad part about it is if an eight-year-old comes up and they're not mature and they're not at a point of being baptized and you baptize them, you have put them in jeopardy because they're not really at a point that they can yeah. fulfill the gospel. You know, for, for yeah. Their...
0: When I, I, the That's fortunate reality that. is when we talk about the work of the church, because let me tell you the opposite. If someone comes to you and they're eight and you say, I don't think you're old enough, You're You're still putting them in jeopardy because what if they are old enough and they know they should and they don't? Um, When you talk about the work of the church, you are, you're just, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. It's a win, win,
3: win, lose, lose. I mean, you
0: know, you don't know. Well, and that's why, I mean, when Philippians says, I think it's Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, this kind of stuff it's talking about, with fear and trembling. Like, if you are not fearful and you are not trembling and you are not thinking this is weighty, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) If you don't think there's some weight to what we're talking about, you're not doing it right. Say, well, because me, I just never... never and the, man, come, yep. Never so I had a I that. The guy who... I, this is very appropriate. The guy who baptized me, his name was Willie Franklin, he told me, I never tell somebody no. He said, they tell me they want to be baptized. I say, okay, let's talk. He said, I never tell somebody no. He said, I so always say, okay, let's talk.
3: That's a good deal. But so many times a young kid to come up on that front pew... And the first thing a preacher wants to do is get him in that water. Mm-hmm. And I'd, when the preacher ought to say, folks, we're going we're gonna to dismiss, yep. we'll come back in a little while. But I want to talk to
0: this yep. young man Absolutely. after a few minutes. I completely agree. Because and,
3: when they come up there on that pew, they, you, know, you need to know. Them. I mean, that's, I 100% you agree. You their life in jeopardy if they're not ready. And, and you're that, putting their life in jeopardy if they are, and you refuse them. And I've known people to get baptized twice
0: so that's why i was going to tell you a story from my personal life because i was hoping to come back and eventually answer this brett question um i've been baptized twice um once when i was going to non-denominational church with my parents when i was like i want to say 13 if not younger probably closer to 11. um because like steve was saying it was that time of the year and if you go to those kind of churches they have a season and uh, i was like okay well it's this and they went through romans and i was like okay and i, I kind of understood it like they I, they read me enough to read me that like, the Bible says to be baptized. And I was like, okay. And then when I really started figuring out my own faith, first time, um, <laughs> second time I started figuring out my faith, I ended up here. But the first time I started figuring out my faith, I started uh, asking some questions. That's when I was studying, like I said, a guy named Willie. And I had been going to church for a long time at that point because I was 16 and had been like actually – like not just going to church but actually paying attention, actually looking at the Bible, actually figuring what does this mean to me. And he taught a class that night. I had some questions after the class. We went to Waterburger. We talked about it some more. I went home. I talked to my grandmother. And I'm sitting there in bed going at night. And I kind of looking up and looking at her like, I'm pretty sure I need to be baptized. And at that point, I had really, really thought about it. Um, and so we called them. And then, you know, he talked again. And, but I was baptized twice because – so yeah, this is why I wanted to answer your question, Brett – If we're asking the question, does this, if I believe this, does this count? I don't know. Um, I don't know because I don't know every individual in that situation. I don't know exactly what they've been taught or haven't taught. But I'll say this. I believed this when I was baptized the first time. And when I was taught this, I absolutely was like, I need to be baptized. Um, Because if you believe this and you can't tell me what it was for, regardless of your age, I'm going to ask you, were you immersed in the water for the remission of your sins? And if you can answer that question, yes, I'm going to tell you, then you probably have nothing to worry about. Like I I can say with confidence, if you at the time you went in the water did so for the remission of your sins, absolutely. Then I think you understand. Um, if If your answer is, I don't know, which is what mine was, then I'm going to tell you, I think we need to keep talking. I I think there's a conversation to be had. Because if there's not uh, a scale of how saved were you or how much did you know when you were baptized, the scripture says, repent and be baptized for remission of sins. And if that applies to you, then, and you've lived in obedience. Because there's another thing, um, sometimes we get the mindset that if I've lived too incorrectly in my life in the meantime, like take my example of getting baptized, like say I got baptized at 13, I got baptized at 16, and I believe this, but like 10 years went by of unfaithfulness and I came back to the church and was like, I'm just lost. Um, A lot of people say like, you can feel like I need to be baptized again. And again, I'm never gonna tell somebody no, but I'm gonna say, it it washes forward and backward, don't worry. Like if if you've been baptized for remission of sins, you've been baptized for remission of sins. If you haven't, you're probably just taking a bath. And when we, when we start talking about salvation, that's when you're going to hear me start saying a lot of words like according to the scriptures and probably and my understanding because I'm never going to tell somebody, you know, I'm not going to condemn anybody. Because like I said, if, if someone comes to me and I have this and they come to me and it's like real close to this, they're going to be like, am I saved? I'm not going to tell them no. So I'm like, that's not my decision to make. I'm going to tell you I know if you do this, you're saved. I know if you were going 45, you will not get pulled over. If you're going 49, you probably won't get pulled over. <laughs> right? If you're only going five over, you probably won't get pulled over. If you're going 75, I was like, yeah, just, yeah I could probably tell you what's going to happen to you If you're way over there, I could probably tell you what's going to happen way over there. But if you want to start, like, what's the uh, splitting hairs? I'm not going to tell you you're condemned, but I can tell you, if you are in this box right here, if you do what the Scripture says, I can 100% tell you, you will be saved.
3: You know, that's a good way to convert people, is let them tell you how they were saved, and then don't condemn them for their salvation, but show them how you were
0: saved. You're absolutely right. That's the best thing we can do.
3: And then trying to say, you know, well... You know, if you were saved before you are baptized, you were wrong. Right. Don't try to condemn them. Just Absolutely. Listen to their point of it and then turn around and tell them what
0: the Bible says. I, you are dead on. I've, that's the best approach I've had with people. Because um, when we... The reality is, uh, after the Protestant Reformation, two guys, Luther and Calvin, influenced like 95% of American theology. And we don't agree with what Luther and Calvin teach. Um. So when you're talking to somebody who's in that world, the best thing you can do if they say, I'm saved. And he's like, well, why do you believe you're saved? And you at least have opened that conversation of opening a Bible, hopefully. And now some folks just say, well, because I went to the preacher, and the preacher told me I was saved. I'm like, okay, is the preacher going to be there when you're standing." <laughs> you well, know,
3: I worked with a lady that come here. She was, I don't mean, know, about a 25, 30-year-old girl at the time. And when we got to talking, she was Thought she was saved, and then we got to talking more. She was, she was actually an orphan, mm. and foster home up north with a Baptist family. Mm. Uh, they went and they let her say she was saved. They they saved her, right? But they wouldn't baptize her, and she couldn't figure it out until we got to study and come to find out they wouldn't baptize her because she was an unwed mother. And, yeah,
0: about that? The you and everyone's got it. I I not. to church. Keep my, nobody can. I think the, room or room. Or what the that go yeah. If I teach, somebody, and I teach them everything I know, I do. Do. and they leave, and they live in a the oh, next to a river, yeah. and the only person who lives the in the, the because it's not that not- one, it's not at all. know well, um, In the same way, like, if I am not a I don't I like weight, that you know, don't, Those people don't lose it because uh, that's what I'm saying. What Paul says, you know, don't, state
2: you don't say stay you up all your own. down
0: that's an, that's an interesting question. Um, you need to come
2: over.